Hey everybody, it's officially draft season, and we here at Upside Swings couldn't do what we do without Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings to be a draft podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined always with the great Stone Hansen, and the next in our series of guests here to talk the Toronto Raptors, one of the more fun teams uh, in the league, for better or for worse, depending on uh, how you look at it. They were one of my favorite teams to watch. Uh, and this is her second year back on the pod, the great Karina Mustafa. Uh, I've followed Karina for a while now, and, and I really love her work. She does stuff for Enjoy Basketball. She does a lot of women's uh, tennis and basketball for the program. She has Hoop Talks as part of Homeland Sports, which is like a can- Canadian-based uh, um, sports show. It's She does a lot of great stuff. Karina, my friend, how you doing? Uh, thank you. I'm very happy because this is always a very pro Raptors podcast. <laughs> I remember like last year when you and I were like talking about how much we believed in Malachi Flynn and now we're here and you're calling the Raptors team fun where I have some other thoughts on whether how fun they are, but we'll, we'll get into that. I am a sucker for a long rangy defensive wings with questionable offensive skill sets and B anyone from the Pacific Northwest. And that happens to be Malachi Flynn. Uh, I watched I watched Malachi Flynn in high school, and then I watched him at his first college stop, and then he left my team, and that forever hurt my soul. But um, you know, I'm hoping for the best for him. Hopefully, he gets a coach who can uh, will will play a backup point guard. Yeah, (laughs) let's talk about last season, and obviously. There was some weirdness there. I, I think they thought they were ready to compete. They had some moments, but in the end, they fell out of the um, out of the set playoffs into the play-in and they lost in that first game to the Bulls of course thanks to DeMar DeRozan's daughter um <laughs> how, in general how did you feel last season went and where do you think this team is really going right now because it does kind of feel like they're stuck in the middle and there's a lot of questions about whether or not they're going to try and ascend or whether they're going to take a step back and, and maybe do a tank season I think right now they're a little bit lower than middle. I think this season pretty much went just about the way I would have expected it to. I think the season before that, when they made that playoff push and they pushed the 76ers um, to six games, I think that was probably the furthest that group could have gone together. And I think we saw the fallout of that this past season and just, it just kind of got worse and worse as the year went on, to be honest. Um, It showed that like, not a lot is working for them right now like they do have a lot of really good pieces but I think also with the departure of Nick Nurse that this team is heading towards a fresh start right now whether that's with the coaches whether that's with the players their mindset you try to be they were competitive after Kawhi left but now you're kind of in that weird situation where you're figuring out who you want to build around who is the future of this team and so I think that's kind of what the Raptors need to figure out right now and once they do then they can start to move forward yeah and 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 this is always like the most interesting spot for some teams to be in, right? Because you always have these questions about what a team's priorities are. We've seen teams in this situation sell everything and do the Oklahoma City Thunder tank. And we've seen teams try and just churn that wheel, churn that wheel. And then, you know, maybe things work out. Maybe they don't. Obviously, the roster's in a really interesting spot. You have guys like Pascal Siakam, OG Anunoby under contract, guys who are probably worth a lot in trade should they look to trade them. I mean, we've heard 
as like we've heard the OG Ananobi could be worth the third pick in some people's eyes, uh, which seems crazy to me, but I, you know, I, I don't know ball like a NBA GM. So I'll accept <laughs> that. But we do have, you know, like Fred Van Fleet and Gary Trent are likely free agents. Van Fleet definitely is. I don't know if Trent will. I mean, 18.5 is pretty good for him, but it still seems like he'll probably want a longer term deal. Um, and then the roster after that, aside from Scotty Barnes, it's just a lot of question marks. There's guys I like, but there's not a ton of guys who are proven. So what do you think like this roster's core building pieces are, if there are any at all? Yeah, listen, I've been on team OG for a very long time. And honestly, I find it very hard to see a lot of value in return for the Raptors if they decide to let him go. I think he played really, really well defensively for the Raptors this year, um, made the all defensive second team. And I just don't know if you can replicate that or get somebody just as good in return to me. Um, I think I know there are some questions on the offensive side, but I think there are other guys on this roster that you might look at, like like a Gary Trent Jr. Honestly, guys, like I'm not as high on him as a lot of people may be. He's shown flashes of what he can be as a shooter. And even on the defensive side, he did pretty well this year. But I just think about like what we gave up in order to get him. And I look at Norman Powell and maybe that's like me being a little bit biased towards Norm, but I thought we lost a lot with Norm. I had, a, I really thought Norm had a lot of potential and I think we're seeing it now where that consistency level has dropped with Gary Trent Jr. So I would, if I was the Raptors, I would look towards like what you can get to supplement maybe a, a potential loss of Gary Trent Jr., I know there's some people that want to trade Pascal. I'm a little bit iffy on that. It really depends, like, for example, like Portland, if they do want to get rid of that number three pick, like what they're going to offer around him as well, because I'm, I'm, I want a really big package around. If I'm losing Pascal or OG, I'm going to need a package that shows me that you're giving me a lot of your younger guys or draft picks. That's going to make it worth it for the Raptors in the long term. Yeah, and, and and I think that's the tough thing with, with teams in this situation. But it's also it's a good problem to have that you can be picky. Like Pascal can just be on this team and, and they'll be fine and, and it might, you know, slow down their their uh ability to tank, but also like he's a player that's going to retain value for at least a while. I mean, he proved he could be the second best player on a championship team, you know, four years ago, and, and then he stepped up and had an all NBA season since. I think a lot of the questions around this team are going to be about the coaching search. And, and Karina, you mentioned that you've talked about this a lot over the last couple months. So just in general, like what are your thoughts on, on where that search is at and what are your hopes for a new coach? Yeah. So I know Sergio Scarliolo is interviewing with the Raptors very soon. I'm not sure if that happened today yet. I know he's flying in at some point. I quite like him as a candidate for the Raptors. We've got that familiarity with him. He's been with us before, um, has obviously had a ton of success over in Spain. Um, so I wouldn't mind him, but I also am on the side where I would also love a really young coach to come in or like somebody with not a lot of experience, somebody who has a different way of thinking about things because if you think about it when Nick Nurse was first promoted to be head coach he had a lot of pressure on him to win like when we got Kawhi as well and he was trying all these different things all these different rosters all these different people on the floor they was not running his starters into the ground but then we got to a point where he just started to get stuck in his ways he wasn't happy with some of the guys on the team and so he just started to focus on the same guys that he was playing I think now we need a different perspective I'm looking at somebody like Jordy Fernandez who I would personally love. Um, he's got the Canadian connection. I'm rooting for him. Like I I'm, I'm, would be sorry to poach him from the Kings, but 
he, I would love it if he was in, in Toronto. I know, I'm not sure if like Kenny Atkinson is actually going to end up getting the head coaching job because it sounds like he's been a finalist for a lot of these jobs. I'm just not sure if he actually wants to like leave the Warriors. Like I know there was also that issue with like the Charlotte Hornets that one year where he was supposed to be the head coach, but then pulled out. Um, so I would love him to, it, to me, I need a coach that is both offensive and defensive oriented. I can't have one or the other because it's shown the holes that the Raptors have in their teams. You need somebody who's be able to approach it from both sides. I also have a very like out of pocket, out of left field, somebody that I, nobody's talked about. I don't even know if she's in the running for it, but Teresa Weatherspoon um, from the New Orleans Pelicans, like I think she'd be great. I don't know. Nobody's ever, nobody said this before. I just thought about this last night. Um, but I, cause I was kind of thinking, I was like, why are all the coaching candidates like men? Like not to be annoying, but I'm like, you know, like it's always the same. It feels like the same coaching carousel. And I was like trying to think like, how could we get more creative? And I, I, I think she's really respected by the Pelicans players and she's got a lot of history. Um, she's former defensive player of the year in the W. And so I think she would also be great. So if anybody's listening to this pod, Maybe reach out to Teresa. Yeah, all all the NBA GMs that that listen, <laughs> Masai, if you're out there listening to Upside Swing, so let us know. No, I I think what I like about those names that you brought up is that they're all new blood. They're they're not yeah. I, I, except for Kenny. Kenny Atkins obviously different, yeah. but I think this team what they really don't need is someone who is better. Like they don't need a Doc Rivers. They don't need someone who's exactly. better on the block and done this. Yeah. It, they need someone creative who's willing to try things and and be a new voice in the room because this roster is in such flux and that does kind of take me to some trades. And whenever we have guests on and we're talking about trades, like we tend to be very general because it's, it's hard to like get in the mind of a front office and, and, and pick like specific targets or trade packages or anything like that. But when you're thinking about trades, this team can make aside from a potential, you know, Pascal OG um, package to, to the trailblazers for three and Simons or something like that. Who are some 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 targets or some trade ideas that you're into to help kind of shape this roster a little bit? The problem was like with the roster that the Raptors currently have or like the players that they're currently juggling, I'm not sure that any trade would actually help them if it doesn't involve Pascal or OG because I don't know what they're going to do with Fred. That to me is also a really big question. Um but to me, it's just like, these are the best players on our team. And honestly, I don't think any other team is going to offer that much. And that's kind of the problem sometimes, too, when you're trying to rebuild, because it's so easy to say like, oh, this team is like a few pieces away from being competitive. But then it's like, what are those pieces? Where are you getting them from? Like, which teams are going to be able to offer up something in return for you that is actually going to benefit you? So I'm a bit iffy and I'm glad I'm not the Raptors front office because Good Lord, they have an incredibly difficult task ahead of them. Um, So I'm excited to see what they do. But yeah, unless it's those top two guys, I just I'm just not sure what kind of trades could happen with this team. Yeah. And and I will say, like, at the very least for the Raptors, uh, Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent both have bird rights, which will make sign in trades easier. The new CBA will limit sign in trades for teams, I believe, over the first cap apron, which I'm not a money guy. I'm not all that smart. I don't really know what any of that means, but they should be able to sign and trade Fred Van Fleet and, and Gary Trent Jr. Should they, you know, look to, to get value from those guys. And 
lots of times someone like a Fred Van Fleet, you know, uh, we actually talked about this earlier today. And if you're listening to this pod, yesterday's podcast about the Lakers, where Stone brought up Fred Van Fleet to the Lakers would be awesome for him as a Lakers fan. And they can't, they couldn't do that with an outright signing, but they could sign and trade uh, package Mo Bamba, Malik Beasley and the 17th pick. So get another draft pick and potentially get a, another future first, maybe, or something like that. So there's a lot of, uh, finagling that can always happen with trade stuff that, that I'm bad at getting in the weeds on. I'm, I'm someone who watches basketball. I don't tend to do a lot of uh, GM type thinking. So I, I think that's kind of where we're at. I do want to ask you though, Karina, do you think they're going to stick at 13 or do you think they might look to move up or move back? Or what do you think like in general, like what's the availability of this pick in trades? Um, you know, like I think the Raptors have shown in history that like I don't really think they're gonna budge that much unless like they actually make a deal on some really big package for that number three pick. I just really don't see them like they've always harped on development and like drafting like the players that they have. Um, I think Masai and company is gonna do what they usually do and draft the typical Raptors players that they that they like. So I don't know if they're gonna move up. Um, I was a bit I was a bit like disappointed though because I think it was like if they didn't get 13 then they would have shot up straight to like the top four odds so I was like ah so close (laughs) um yeah I don't know I don't know how much action we'll see I think the way that this past year went like even during the trade deadline where we just ended up acquiring Jakob Pertle and that's pretty much the only thing that happened that kind of tells me that I'm a little bit iffy if they're willing to have like the guts to actually move up in the draft no that's absolutely fair Every time I say I hear Jakob Pertl, like I like almost laugh because I think of those old Bleacher Report. Um, what was that like? Where it's like Game of Thrones but basketball, and he only ever said his own name. That's all I can ever think of. It's, I'm I'm such a child. Stone, I wanted to ask you. I think the Raptors, probably more than any other team, have the best package to trade up to three. If they did trade up to three, out of obviously outside of Wembenyama, out of you know Scoot, Brandon Miller, Ahmed, who is your like? best dream target for them in that top four just best player available if you're picking that high is always my my thing uh, and for me that's scoot i think scoot's the best player available at that position if he's not picked at number two um i just think that he uh gives the raptors this this floor general that they've done a lot of like point guard by committee for the past few years and it's worked uh in a lot of cases but um i think giving them the option to be able to have a guy that can like you know run sets every single time down the floor, um, get these guys in positions, the best positions for them to score and, and optimize them. Um, I think that that would really, uh, really be good for them. So I, I'd take Scoot for sure if um, he were available at three. I fully agree with that, by the way. I would love it. Like, this is going to be a little bit of a rant, but the Raptors need a true point guard. I am so tired of the way that the offense has been run in recent years. I think, listen, I think Fred made great strides this year as a playmaker. Um, Definitely more than I thought he was capable of because I was always kind of the person who was like, he plays his best as a shooting guard. I'm not really sure in this post-Kyle Lowry era, like how he's going to do. And to his to his credit, he did he did improve in a lot of ways, but... I need somebody, it sounds so like, so simple, but like, I just need a good old fashioned pick and roll, please. For the love of God, I need some like half court offense that is just going to like, it's just a, it's such a simple way to be like, just play basketball. Like, it just feels like the Raptors complicate themselves so many times where they like, they get so stuck 
in their offense. And I need somebody who's able to like see the vision, see the court in ways that like opens things up for everybody. I think that's all. I think that's all fair. And, uh, you know, I, I love, I love Fred. I love his story as someone who makes boards that are like 200 people deep. I love every undrafted free agent that makes it, but, uh, I'm with you that I think a point guard is really important. I might prefer all men there, but I, 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 that's the type where it's like, it's so close to me that it's kind of just whoever you feel, you know, whoever, whoever's vibes you like best, like go ahead and take that guy. Let's talk, uh, Karina, you mentioned that you think they will probably stick at 13. Do you have any preferences here at 13? Any guys who stand out to you as someone you'd be really interested in them drafting? So I won't lie. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm like some draft expert, but based on the content that I've consumed from people that I respect in the draft space, like some of the names that I've like stick stuck out to me is like someone like Jordan Hawkins, someone like Grady Dick, um, a lot of these players, they seem to be good shooters. And I feel like that's a lot of things, like that's something that people have emphasized because I also think that the Raptors do need that. It's so interesting to me because it's like the Raptors have so many problems that they need to actually fix. So it's like, just take your pick with some of these players. But we need somebody who can not only shoot the ball, because I do think that's important. Obviously, we're in the era of basketball now where the three-point shot is just super important. But I think the Raptors also run into that problem where they start taking too many threes and then nothing's falling and then they don't know what to do. So maybe somebody who can work inside the post and actually like post up on people and get buckets in the paint, somebody who can just go ahead and be like, okay, you can't, you're catching me on the perimeter. Fine. I'll just find a different way to get to the basket. I think that's something the Raptors really, really needs. I think that's something that Pascal Siakam is great at doing. Um, But I need some like an additional player to be able to do that stuff. Yeah, this team has felt really starred for shot creation. And that's why I I will say like this last season, as much as I loved watching them, like I did feel like like the Raptors were a very gimmicky team because they were super reliant on forcing turnovers and running in transition. And whenever things got bogged down in the half court, they just they need Kawhi. And like obviously Kawhi is a very hard player to to replicate. Uh he, yeah. at his best. He's one of the best to ever do it. But that's you're right. Like what they're really missing is someone who can actually create somewhat efficient offense. And you know, if they draft a scooter and all men, like as good as those guys are, they're kind of more transition players too. They're players who want to push it up. And Jordan Hawkins and Grady Dick would really help them space the floor and they could definitely run a transition, but they're not necessarily those half court creators. And that's why someone who stands out to me, and this is probably a reach based on his general range, but he's, it's not a reach for me at all. I really like Bryce Sunspot here. I think he's someone who can space the floor off the ball, but he's also the best bet past like 10, I think to be a real shot creator in the half court. He's someone who is it a lot of tough shots. Yes. He's not necessarily always creating the best advantages. He uh, really struggles to get all the way to the rim sometimes, but like the shot making is real. The touch is real. And he's six, five, six, six. He has an strong, he's like six, six, two forty or something like that. So he's not a big six, boy. Nine? What? Not quite six, not six nine. nine. No, no. But I think his wing, I think he has long arms. I think he has a, a good week. Okay, okay. So, so he's like, he's like a short Bruno Caboclo. That's, that's what we're looking for. Oh. Um, Stone, is there anyone who you would be really, really into at, at 13 for the Raptors? Um, yeah, so I agree with the shooting, but also like for the Raptors, it feels like the guys that are more projecty, like I just really trust the Raptors development. So like guys, I wouldn't typically even be in on, uh, in this sort of range for the Raptors specifically, I think could really work out someone like a Leonard Miller, um, I think would, uh, really like blossom in this sort of setting. Uh, and the other thing is like the Raptors are in this sort of like influx timeline, 
So they can afford if they want to to bring this guy. He doesn't have to be like super impactful year one uh, and, and get them, you know, all the way into deep in the playoffs. Like this guy can be a, a bit of a developmental type guy, but still, you know, end up working out for them. Even though Nurse is gone, I think the Raptors sort of proved before that um, before that hiring that they're really invested in their guys and they're, they're willing to put that sort of time and resources into developing them. Uh, his teammate, Sidi Sissoko, I think, would be interesting here. Um, I think Sidi is somebody that um, has a really long wingspan, plays, I think, bigger than he is. Um, really, I, I think the Raptors could be somebody that like unlocks him as that sort of point guard type. Um, I think they could really like make a lot of advantages with Sidi. Uh, the other guy I'll put here, he's one of the few names I could find that actually worked out for them. Uh, was Max Lewis. Uh, I think that uh, all these guys I would not typically have this high on my board, but I think the Raptors are the sort of team that can get the most out of these guys. So I, I wouldn't be mad with any of these picks. I will say it would be really funny if they traded Pascal Siakam and then had someone like like signed someone or drafted someone, excuse me, who uh, loves that that right to left spin move just as much in Leonard Miller. I think that would be hilarious. Um, one last guy I'll shout out is Brandon Pajemski. Uh this is obviously uh uh you know like a like a like a media talking point type thing, not necessarily the stuff we do, but there was a there was a Santa Clara guard who got drafted higher than people expected in the lottery last year and it worked out pretty damn well. So I think Pods can really shoot. I think he is uh someone who can play on or off the ball, just another bet at like half court creation. I think that's like a a theme with like Bryce Miller, uh Lewis and Pods is that they get all like they're all sort of bets at half court creation, weird half court creation because it's the 13th pick and a draft that does is not deep with those type of creators, but half court creation nonetheless. The only reach I want to mention, I, I do kind of want to I'm not in the mood to be negative. Uh I, the only reach that kind of stands out to me who is mocked to these guys quite a bit is Keontae George. I think Keontae George is fine. But I'm not, I'm not quite in love with his fit here. I I feel like he is just sort of a kind of Gary Trent Jr. X type player. I actually think they had very similar freshman seasons. Um, George was less efficient, but had a higher usage. But in general, like I just think he is. I I, I worry that if they draft him, they're going to be like, oh, this can be a point guard, and George is just not a point guard. He has to play off the ball. He's a shooter. He's someone who has to be attacking on the move, off the catch, and I do kind of worry about that. Karina Stone, were there any other guys who who you think might be reaches here or anyone you wouldn't be super happy with uh, should the Raptors draft? No, I guess we haven't really spoken about, like, scotty barnes as well like in like what direction the raptors want to go with him too because i feel like that might also affect the way that they draft right like if they want scotty to be that playmaker or if they want to move him to the five or whichever spot they think he'd be more comfortable playing and i know he had a bit of a uh up and down year this year to say uh the least um but it feels like everybody's like super locked in to scotty as a future i mean he was your number four traffic so like obviously you want to build around that but like do you guys think like the raptors should stay competitive building around him or do you think that if they're like bad for another year then that would help them in the long term giving somebody else to be alongside scotty i think that if you're going to you know trade away some of the other big names like it makes sense to try and build around scotty like the worst thing that can happen is 
he's really bad as a creator this year. And you know, you're like, okay, he's just not a creator. Scotty is going to be an NBA. Like he's going to be a positive NBA rotation player for a long time, whether he is a quote unquote point guard or not. Like Mm -hmm. the versatility, the feel, his ability to make plays on the short roll. Like, like there will be a spot for him somewhere on this team. So I'm, I would be very like assuming if they don't trade for three, but they do kind of the the roster still has some weird machinations and it's kind of like Scotty. And then this kind of weird surrounding context, I'd be comfortable putting the ball in his hands and just being like, figure it out. And again, if it's bad, it's bad. And you draft, uh, you know, a Ron Holland next year or something and kind of have a, another bet at a creator. Um, And if it works, then you're like, okay, this is someone who we can really build a team around and really move forward with as a, very high level player. Stone, are you kind of with me with that? Yeah, I think that's probably the right line of thinking is is figuring out exactly what direction you want to go. And if that direction involves Scotty as like one of your main options or not. Um regardless, I mean I think long term you're probably gonna want somebody uh that can grow with him and, and sort of uh lead like the 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 next evolution, I guess, of the Raptors once Siakam inevitably um is no longer on this team at some point or another. Um so you want Damn, someone so you're about to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the intent. Um, but I, I think you do want somebody, you know, that's that's also young and, and keep that youth uh continuation going. Um and, and whether that's with Scotty as the primary guy or not, um, I think it's worth trying out for this coming season. Yeah, Karina, where are you at? Like, what would you, you know, whether it be with Pascal, without Pascal, like, what would your ideal, like, Scotty Barnes role next year look like? Yeah, I don't know if I'd want him to be the point guard. Um, I feel like, like you guys said, I think it's a good idea to kind of do, like, trial and error a little bit with him this year and see what the third year holds for him because there I know there's been a lot of up and down and obviously like a lot of that too is like context about who's on the team the personnel um but yeah I don't know I think with him I'm more of just like this is a bit of a patience project and I just want to see like how he continues to develop and what what he feels comfortable doing as well because I feel like that's also a big part of it I will say I don't know if I want to play the point or the five long term because uh, you guys already have Malachi Flynn and Christian Coloco, so you know you got those <laughs> you got those spots solved. Um, no, uh, but in all seriousness, let's. I we usually don't talk. I was too waiting much about, for that to like yeah, it's, come I, into I, the pot at some point. <laughs> you knew I was gonna. Finish. I don't know if you saw our draft night reactions, but what we saw when Coop and I saw that the Raptors took Christian Coloco. We were so happy. We were like, that's perfect. Uh, love Christian Coloco. Obviously love. Do you know, Como I was Legend. actually, this is a totally random story, but I was in the elevator with him for the, during the W Canada game here in Toronto. It's like what? So I always love being next to people who are that gigantic. It's like, it's such a crazy He's so feeling. Tall. It was so funny. Cause like, so we, we got off on the same floor, but he was like in front of me. And, like, the Raptors have, like, the, like, eye sensor things to, like, get into the rooms. So he's just, like, bending over doing the, the eye thing. And he, he's, like, in my way. So I, like, can't walk. So I'm just, like, awkwardly standing there while he's, like, doing the eye sensor. It's, like, beep, beep. And then he looks up at me. He's, like, my bad. And he, like, walks <laughs> into the room. But I was, like, that was just a funny, like, interaction. I was, like, I love you, dude. Like, you're so awesome. <laughs> my uh, my best friend in high school was 6'10". So I have some feel for, like, what it's like. And and uh, when I was a freshman, we had a 7'4 kid at our school. So very, wow. very, like, uh, used to tall people, but also it never gets old. 
Um, let's talk briefly about some UDFAs because usually like we go pretty brief on this, but like the Raptors are the most fun UDFA team possible. So Stone, I just want to throw this to you. Who are a couple guys that you would just be like, please let these guys play on the Raptors 905 and develop? <laughs> oh, uh, Alex Fudge um, would be awesome on this team. Uh, just a... <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because it's so obvious. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't even think of it. But it like, obviously, off. Alex Fudge. It reminds me of when I when uh, everyone was clamoring for the Raptors to take Lebe Janae with like the yeah. 58th pick in that draft or whatever. And it's like, yes, because it's just, he's stupid athletic and has crazy like stock numbers. Just take a bet on that guy. Yeah. The defense would be insane with this team. Um, I think he's someone that like you put him next to like Scotty Barnes. That's like, you, you know, your bottom line rotations covered with two guys instead of three. Um, the other guy I think would be pretty interesting here. I know Bryce hates him, but uh, Nikola Jurisic, I think is really interesting for the Raptors. Um, the passing would be unreal. Um, I think if any team can get him to a point where that craft really translates from the Adriatic League to NBA type athleticism, um, it would be the Raptors, and, and he can really you know optimize that craft into being uh, more of an initiate uh, initiator. Uh, the final guy out there in here, just more of like a fun name that uh, it, if any team's gonna like just take this bet. Um, it would probably be the Raptors would be Imani Bates um, just to like see what can he do fully um, as a defender because I really liked his off-ball defense this year I thought it was uh, pretty impressive and I think uh, if you can get him in more of a ball movement situation type scheme offensively he can actually be a pretty interesting name uh, in in this sort of range so uh, those are just a few names that stood out to me for this team. There's only one name I'm going to bring up, uh, and that's Craig Porter Jr. Um, This team is potentially losing one undrafted Wichita State guard. Um, I'd like them to take a bet on another. Uh, Craig Porter Jr. is way different than Van Fleet was. Obviously, Van Fleet won the NCAA championship, and Craig Porter was on a really bad Wichita State team this year. But Craig Porter Jr. is one of those rare undrafted guys who I think has a legitimately special skill and that's the fact that he's 6'2 and had a 5% block rate and is a crazy nail defender. Like, we've seen those guys have value in the playoffs. I, I mean, Derek White's like the obvious comparison. He's the greatest shot blocking guard ever. So I don't want to throw that on Craig Porter Jr. But guys like Gary Payton Jr. last year, who actually has a very similar statistical profile to Craig Porter, um, you know, guys like uh, even Marcus Smart to some extent, Max Stru- or not Max Drews, excuse me, Gabe Vincent was like a defense first guard at UCSB. Like, take bets on those guys, especially when like their surrounding skills, like Porter Jr. can really shoot and he has some like athleticism. You can definitely throw it down. Like, just take a bet on that guy. I think that would be a fascinating fit and, you know, keep the Wichita straight state bloodline strong. Bryce, can I just say, yeah, I love your agenda. I love your agendas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's like, that's my whole thing. That's what, what would this podcast be if it wasn't like just pushing my agendas, you know, it's Pacific Northwest guys and dudes who do like really weird things or just like a random school, like Wichita state going to root for their guard because I can't help myself. Karina, we like to end these by asking our guests. And, th- and this is like one of those that you could get like emotional with it. You know, like if you want to tie yourself or if you want to be logical and, and focus on like where, you know, you think they should go where they shouldn't like, what to you is the worst case scenario for the Raptors this offseason? 
My worst case scenario for the Raptors this offseason is if they do absolutely nothing and just draft some guy at 13 that they're not going to give minutes to, like the Mal- like they did with Malik Guy Flynn, and they do nothing and they lose some of their main guys who are going to become free agents in the next year or so and lose them for nothing. And then what do you do? So that to me is the worst offseason is continuing to be passive with the moves that you're making. Um, but yeah, that's that's my worst case scenario. That's that's pro- I feel like our most common answer for these like what's the worst case scenario is do nothing. That was even for like teams that feel like they're in good spots like the Warriors. Uh, when we had Charlie Cummings on, his answer was do not if we do nothing, it's a failure of an off season. So yeah, we like to end on a positive note. You know, kind of kind of get excited for the off season. Karina, what would be the best case scenario for the Raptors? The best case scenario is if they put together a package or make a move that clearly shows a direction that they're going in. That to me is like, they feel very all over the place right now. There's a lot of confusion. We don't really hear much from the front office these days. So if they show us whether that's like a head coach hiring or something that you do on draft night, just something big that shows, Oh, we're actually awake. And we know that we have to actually change something that to me would be the best case scenario. And that's why I'm like keeping it kind of general because it's so wide open right now with them. Oh, I, I will ask you to be a little specific. If you could pick one head coach, who, who would who would it be? Right now, it's Jordy Fernandez. That's my head coach. Uh, as as uh, I I love anyone with the last name Fernandez. To be honest, so that's uh, that's <laughs> I'm 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 with it. You said he's Canadian. Yeah, yeah. I think he like coached at my school actually. Oh. oh. Okay. That's yeah. Cool. Okay. I'm all in on Jordy Fernandez. I, Kings, I remember he Kings like, assistant, he, right? He he coached. Yeah, he coached at my school, and then he got the Kings job. Or like, I just remember that. Like, I've known him for a while now. So uh, that would be well, that would be a really fun one. Um, yeah, Karina. Again, we cannot thank you enough for taking the time to come out. We know you're busy. We know you got to go cover uh, some some Liberty games, which is very exciting. Karina, this has been absolutely great. I will link all your stuff below. Really, especially recommend the Enjoy Basketball uh, Substack or, or newsletter. It's it's absolutely great. I, there's like a little trivia in it. There's there's a great breakdown of the first finals game today. Just a lot of fun stuff in there. But Karina, let the people know where they can find all your great work and, and everything you do. Yeah, big newsletter guy over here. Um, but you can find me over at Twitter at Karina MM or on Instagram at Karina Mustafa. Um, you can find all my work on those two platforms. I pretty much just try to post as much as what I'm doing and where. I just had an interview with Courtney Williams, who plays for the Chicago Sky. That just came out recently. She's dropping a player-exclusive shoe this month with Moolah Kicks, and I got the opportunity to talk to her about it and release some exclusive pictures of the shoe. So that was super exciting. Um, and that was like my second time speaking to her because she was here for the Canada game, and I did a little bit of like Canadian trivia with her, and uh, she remembered me. And so I'm seeing her again on on Sunday when I go cover the Liberty in the sky. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, of course. Uh, I really do like. I, I think Karina's work is great. There's like, there's been this real groundswell of like great WNBA coverage recently with Karina, with Mark Schindler, with uh, Nikias Duncan, and uh, um, Steve Jones Jr. Lots of great stuff. That's kind of gotten me more into it. I I still reserve being just a fan of women's basketball because I'm ve- I get very emotionally attached, and and men's basketball is where I do all my work. 
and women's <laughs> basketball is where I'm just a fan. Uh, but this has been a good year for women's basketball for me because the WSU women's basketball team won uh, won the Pac-12. So, yeah, this has been great. Karina, again, we cannot thank you enough for all the work you do and for taking your time out for Stone, Outporters, for Court. I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14. Make sure you give us a like, rating, review, all that fun stuff. Check out the website if you want a quick breakdown of the Raptors and what we think they should do in the draft. This has been the Upside Swings of VA Draft Podcast. We hope you're ceiling. Thank you. We'd once again like to thank the people at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.